Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, haven't seen you for a long time. <laughs> for some of you who don't know me, I, I'm a Cantonese pastor here. And uh, I, just, I just have a visit uh, back to Hong Kong for a month. Last month, wow, just came back. Yes, thank you. Thank you for your welcome. Wow. So, have any of you watched the Barbie movie? Yes. Yes? Good? Do you like the pink? (laughs) I do. (laughs) I watched it a few weeks ago, too. It was fascinating to witness numerous Barbies and cans in the Barbie land. <laughs> the film features various types of Barbies, including the pregnant Barbie, <laughs> weird Barbie, um, and naturally, the stereotypical blonde hair Barbie and Ken. Yeah. They enjoyed, you know, they enjoyed party every day and night in the movie and never considered death. However, towards the end of the movie, when the stereotypical Barbie had to decide between staying in the real world or the Barbie land, things that she might need to think seriously. In the real world, she can choose for her own life. And her thoughts would not be affected by her only in the real world. However, death became one of the factors she had to take into account. I'm not going to tell you um, her choice. (laughs) So you can watch it and find out. But you know, Sometimes, we do want to take control of our own life too, don't we? Yeah. We plan for what's best for us based on the world standards, and we also want the best for our children too. Let me tell you, share some of you, the Hong Kong culture. In Hong Kong, well, um, most parents aspire for their children to have impressive profile with numerous certificates to secure admission to a high-quality primary school. <laughs> we called it winning at the starting point. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Look at the Hong Kong people, parents. <laughs> So last week, Joe shared with us the message of being a good and humble friend of God. Do you still remember? Yes? Good? We explored how our relationship with God can help us in resisting the lies from the evil one and developing love for one another. So following this message, James, 
now focuses on the business owner to make his next point. Let's take a closer look at what it says. Let's read today's passage, James chapter 4, verse 13 to 17. Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. We all have plans for our future. We are often asked about our plan for the upcoming school break too. I use a planner on my phone to help me keep my schedule clear and make it easy to meet with people. We need plans for our work, our lives, projects to work on, friend or friends to visit. James is not saying planning is bad. It's okay to have plan. So what's going wrong in the businessman's story? We'll look at three things here today. First, life is in God's hand. Second, a humble attitude. Third, what do what is right. In the book of James, we frequently observe James making comparisons. He places the standards of the value of the world on one side, while the other side he imports teachings and reminders according to the standard of God's kingdom. James has been talking about the problem of the following thoughts of process of the world instead of the wisdom of God. What we are going to explore further today is the passage about the proud merchants. In verse 13, Today or tomorrow, we will go to the city. We will do business there for a year and make a lot of money. These merchants have plans for their business too. It seems nothing wrong in this plan. And it seems like a very good one-year plan. We have a five-year plan in our work too. So what's wrong with them? James 
described these merchants as having firm plans. There's nothing wrong with having plans. The question is, how do we submit our plans and our lives to God? And that's the challenge that is for every one of us. In verse 15, James is challenging the merchants to consider the Lord's will in their plans. This group of merchants who label themselves as Christian have shown through their words, plan, and attitudes that their faith is an anchor in God, but rather in themselves. Their attitudes seems far from godly. It's because they're planning according to the pattern of the world. Life is in God's hand. No one knows how many years they will live in this world. The phrase today or tomorrow in verse 13 implies a certain intention to guarantee something within this short period of time. Everything that was planted by the merchants. However, such planning is unwise because they have overlooked the brevity of life. A person is here today and gone tomorrow. Much as a rich person James mentioned in chapter 1, verse 10 to 11 did. Let's look at it. Um, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower, for the sun rises with scorching heat and wither the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. In verse 16, James says, boasting of tomorrow is warned against in Proverbs 27 verse 1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what today may bring. The merchants are making plans and vowing to keep them in his own power by the force of his own will. This is not a life of dependence God calls his children to walk in. And also in verse 14, the word mist express the thought that life is short. Let me ask you a question here. Who, who knows the name of your great-great-great-grandmother or father? Just turn, turn quickly to and tell the person next to you. Do you know? Do you know the name? Okay, come back, come back. Okay. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for participating, come back. Okay, unless your great, great, great grandmother or father was famous in our history textbook, 
Otherwise, most of us, most of us, well, some of you, I think you, you know, but most of us won't know their names and what they have done in their lifetime. I was back to Hong Kong last month. My mom and aunt were discussing about the tomb of my great-grandmother. And because they are still paying rent for the tombstone in the cemetery, so they were thinking to dig out the bones and make it to ashes and place it at the ash tower for a cheaper rent. <laughs> yes, we need to pay rent um, for our ancestors. Um, yeah, that's something cultural difference. Um, so when I looked at the information of my great-grandmother, I realized that I don't even know her full name, her date of birth, and where she was born. I could still hear a few stories from my mom of how my my um, great-grandmother was looking after her and my aunts and uncles when they were young. But I'm sure this respectful woman is totally a stranger to my girls. In verse 14, we are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Life is short. I'm sure no one will remember us after we died for a few decades, except our God. Jesus knows us, loves us, and he remembers us forever. Jesus wants to give us a meaningful life, even our lives are short. In John 10, verse 10, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is what Jesus said. When we invite Jesus into our lives, we will have a meaningful and abundant life. It's because he cares about us, loves us, and he is faithful. He is the God who can't wait to bless us and make our life into fullness. Therefore, the next question is, how do we live up our lives in Him? Humble attitudes. James mentioned that anyone who plants without consider considering God is mistaken, as no one knows what tomorrow will bring, accusing the merchants of Ignorance is not the central point. Nobody, including the merchants, possesses the 
the ability to foresee the future. Hence, no one can predict what lies ahead. The foolish aspect is the pride is the prideful attitude of these Christian merchants who presume that everything will unfold exactly as they have planned it. They believe they have control and have carefully arranged every aspect, even their future. However, who truly holds the future? It's our God. Therefore, the wise approach is humble ourselves before the, before the Lord, recognizing that everything is within his control. I remember Andrew mentioned in his previous sermon that true faith is demonstrated through what? Actions. Not mere words. So how can we manifest humility before the Lord to demonstrate our trust? In verse 15, James says, if it is the Lord's will, he is requiring his readers to consider to put God into their plans. They need to live in a trust in God and not a well thought out plan for making money is the only way to face the future. Making money in business is not a problem. However, if the only purpose of business is to make as much as money for oneself, then such plans are wrong focused. This is the way of the unbelievers do and this is their standard. To live in trust, we need to acknowledge our limitations as human. We must recognize that God is in control and we should lead our Christian life with humility before him. This entails understanding that our plans are subject to his will and that we put ourselves within his purpose. James reminds his audience that the plan of life is shaped within the framework of God's will and sovereign control. The Christian merchants described are double-minded, not involving God in their plans and their lack of reliance on, on God to direct their future. Their lives aren't guided by the word of God. Although they may appear willing to trust God on the surface, they can't fully, they can't fully commit to following God. Their affection for the values of the world makes them to losing their way easily. James is telling his audience not to be a double-minded Christian. If we don't put God's will in our daily lives and our plans, is it still a real faith? 
Real faith is demonstrated through actions, not just words. So when we are considering your our future, and we are bringing those plans to God, asking for His wisdom, do what is right. In verse seventeen, James draws his conclusion that to fail to do what we know to be to be right is sin. To fail to do what we know to be right is sin. So, what's considered right? James mentioned in chapter two, verse eight. If you really keep your royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. He reminds us to to demonstrate love through actions. Doing what is right entails putting ourselves with the Lord's will, inviting God into our plan, and showing it. Through our deeds, true faith, as Christian practice it, involves a faith expressing itself through love. In Galatians chapter five verse six, fail to do it for him, it is sin. Means. Fail to love your neighbor. Action without mercy is not within Jesus' teaching, and that's sin. James mentioned earlier in chapter two, verse nine. But if you show favoritism, you sin, and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Therefore, fail to love people and show your favoritism is a lawbreaker, and for him, it is sin. So let's give it a try, don't you? Yeah, love the people who are different from us. God put them into our lives, and they are our neighbors. So welcome them. Faith expressing itself through love. Ask God to give you a heart to love them. Ask God. To open your eyes, to see the beauty of everyone you meet. As we start to come to the end, I would like to share with you the story of my mother-in-law. My family and I returned to Hong Kong in August to visit our family and friends for a month. It brings me great joy to see each of them once again. Our main purpose 
for the visit was to see my mother-in-law who was battling cancer. She is a Christian and has embraced her faith for a long time. Despite her illness, she was remained remarkably cheerful. Her face lights up with a smile every time I see her. She always joyful, thanking God, following by her giggling laughter. <laughs> yeah, that's my mother-in-law. Um, dealing with cancer hasn't been easy for her. The chemotherapy treatments took a toil on her health. However, she managed to complete the entire course of chemotherapy and is now taking a two-month break to follow to allow her body to recover. In September, and she'll be starting now, she will she um, is beginning the electrotherapy again. If I were in her shoes, if I were her, I believe I would only see the darkness. Why do I say that if I were her? Because I lost my husband, live alone, I was diagnosed with cancer, experienced reaction after chemotherapy, developed a fever afterwards. I also lost my ability to enjoy food due to the iron-like taste for everything I eat and daily vomiting. It really sounds scary to me. But thank God, she isn't like me. She radiates happiness. Whenever she feels better, she goes out for an afternoon tea, sends us a WhatsApp picture, a message about her well-being. She shared with us about the new friends she makes each time she meets someone. She has put God into her life plan. During um, her two-month recovery period, she intends to engage in volunteer service to help others. Yeah, she participates in a cancer support group, offering true understanding of physical pain and mutual encouragement. Her joy affects everyone around her. She tells us that she doesn't know when her life will end. That's God's plan. But when, when she emotionally capable, she joins the cancer support group to uplift others and serve others through volunteer work. Her faith is shown in her actions as she truly thanks God each day for her life and deeply care for those around her. She isn't dwelling into the darkness. She's living in the light. God is a part of her life. 
and she humbles herself before him. In return, God reveals to her the grace he has given upon her. I still remember she, um, uh, her being grateful for the fact that all the reaction of curves in her body was explained by her doctor. Nothing more, nothing less. She thanked God for not subjecting her any reaction beyond what her doctor had anticipated. She is a woman who lives humbly before Lord, including God in her plan and loves the people around her. When we come to the conclusion of today, James wants his audience to seek God's plan and follow God's will in their lives to surrender themselves to him, ask for his wisdom and trust in him, to show love and acceptance to those who are different from them. So let's pause for a moment and ask God, is there an invitation that God is speaking to you? Do we have a room? Do we have room for God in our lives? Am I submitting my whole life and my plans to God? Can we show love, welcome, patience, and acceptance to people and place who are, who are different from us? Do we trust in God and place our future in his hands? Are our ways of life and thoughts following the values of the world or the values of God's kingdom? We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.